Welcome to today's episode of Ownership Matters, a podcast for homeowners in resident-owned communities, brought to you by Rock USA. I'm Mike Bullard, and I'm flying solo on today's episode. We've got a great guest for you today. We're joined by Ramsey Cohen, the retail marketing manager at Clayton Homes. Clayton Homes has been building and selling manufactured homes since 1956 and has grown from just one location to more than 350 home centers across the country. We know many of you in our audience already live in homes built by Clayton, but for those of you considering purchasing a new home, or if your community is considering an infill project, this conversation is for you. Ramsey tells us all about the new features of Clayton Built Homes. Ramsey Cohen has worked at Clayton Homes for the majority of his career and currently serves as the company's retail marketing manager. In this role, Ramsey oversees marketing efforts for all the Clayton Homes retail locations across the country, with goals of driving foot traffic to local retailers. He also assists in the development of national brand strategy and national and local media placement. Ramsey recently served as a panelist at the I'm Home Conference hosted by Prosperity Now, where he joined in a discussion on how we can all work together to build a more resilient manufactured housing industry. Ramsey, thanks for joining us. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? How long have you worked in the manufactured housing sector and what's your role at Clayton? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I've been working in uh, manufactured housing and industry since 2008. I started out working for uh, Vanderbilt Mortgage, who handles the lending arm of Clayton. From there, I've moved around, held a number of different jobs the last Seven to 10 years, I've been focused primarily on marketing and advertising in support of our retail business unit, helping 360 plus home centers across the country better drive foot traffic and connect with customers and create really positive, enriching customer experiences, both online and offline, helping them manage media budgets, that sort of thing. So working in manufactured housing outside of a brief stint that I had with a advertising uh, firm or I've really only been in manufactured housing. Oh, that's great. So you've worked the wide spectrum there from finance to sales to all sides of it. So I want to start off by asking you if a co-op or a small manufactured home community is looking to site a spec home, what advice would you share with the community leaders there on what buyers are looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a, a lot of things to consider, right? So first thinking about First and foremost, home buyers and the people who are going to be living in that home. The thing that I would most tell them is to focus on a couple of things. One, I think aesthetics. There's a lot of potential around how our product in our industry looks and is that first impression it could create with a lot of new buyers. There's a lot of fence sitters, a lot of people who manufactured housing has always been a great and viable solution for housing, but they maybe haven't considered us for a number of preconceived ideas about how the homes are built off-site and that sort of thing that really don't hold true. And manufactured homes have come a long way since the 70s, right? And I think there's still a lot of preconceived ideas around that. So describe for us the average home buyer in a manufactured home community, and how do you describe the demand for manufactured homes themselves? We don't see a substantial difference between a manufactured home buyer versus a traditional site built home buyer. There is some differences in terms of household income, but any other demographics that you want to look at, there really isn't any clear cut answer. We have a diverse array of people that come seek out manufactured homes. And I think to your question about who's looking for manufactured homes or who would be considering that, that's ever growing. And I think 
as we as an industry get out and tell our story in a better, more effective and succinct way that lets people understand the true benefits to buying a home that was built off-site, both in terms of its impact on the environment, as well as the innovative building techniques that we're using, the number of people, the types of people are going to be considering manufactured homes is only going to grow, especially when you think about the need for more attainable and affordable housing in the United States. People are going to have to look at these new options because manufactured housing off-site construction is able to deliver a home, a quality home that's going to be extremely durable and energy efficient at a price that just isn't going to be attainable outside of off-site construction. And so we're going to see a lot of new people entering the marketplace. So I sometimes worry or am concerned that some people who have been in the industry for long periods of time might look at it and say, oh, well, our, our traditional buyer was X. And I think any approach that we apply as an industry where we go, oh, well, traditionally we've done or traditionally we target is going to really yield some negative results or limit our ability to have positive impact on people's lives and creating more home ownership because it's going to be a real challenge to reach new audiences, reach new people. Again, those folks that offsite constructed homes make a great solution for. And for whatever reason, I think there's a number of factors that play that lead into it. We're not yet entering their consideration set. I expect that to grow. I expect that to change. And as a result, drive lots of new new people into the market. And so I think the rate of first-time home buyers is going to be one that you absolutely can see, but the demographics of what makes a first-time home buyer is going to be incredibly diverse and a wide spectrum of people and backgrounds coming into the marketplace. Sure. So you talk a lot about change, and I want to talk about change in the sales sector itself. How are people buying homes in communities today? And how has that changed? Yeah, you know, I can't speak too much to how people are buying homes in communities as much as just home sales more generally, given my background and the, the work that I've done in the past. But I think the biggest thing that's changing is that more and more, and this is really an answer that I don't think it's limited to our industry. I think it is just true as the internet has become more and more common and more and more people are actively shopping online, right? Buyers are in the driver's seat. Buyers can very quickly and easily go out and arm themselves with a lot of information on price, on quality, on options. And so just the same as you're seeing a lot of interrupters and different spaces come in with customer first and direct-to-customer advertising and sales, I think there's a trend towards that direction. And I don't think that's unique to manufactured housing or buying a home. I think what that means is that Buyers are going to be, because they're in that driver's seat, they're going to expect tools, resources, and information that meet them wherever they are. So if that means that I'm watching TV in the evening, but on my second screen, on my cell phone, on a tablet, whatever, I want to also be researching my next home and dreaming and thinking about how will the kitchen be and where, you know, how many bedrooms would I have? Every single home buyer in America expects to be able to do that. There's lots and lots of apps and information out there for people. And so I think that's going to create and continue to create this situation where retailers and sales have to create those tools and those resources, because if we're not working on building out those things to keep people engaged, to give them information, to let them shop online, someone else will. And that's going to result in whoever's developing that fastest and bringing the best technology to customers is probably going to yield the most success. 
that's the biggest change. And I, I don't know how unique that is to our industry as much as it's something that's slowly bit by bit impacting every industry, regardless of what it is that they're selling. Interesting. The second screen, I like that. That painted a great picture there. And so in terms of buying, somebody's interested in looking at some homes, right? What's the difference between somebody going to a Clayton branded store or an independent dealer who sells Clayton homes? And why the two models there? Yeah. So I really like the second part of that question about the why the two models. So I'll first answer the first part and then get to the second. The the difference is going to be pretty small, right? I'd say the difference between going to a Clayton retailer versus an independently owned retailer is going to be the same as going from one furniture store to another furniture store. It's ultimately probably going to be driven on what's the specific product that they have available there. A lot of dealerships, whether Clayton or independent, have special relationships with a home builder. And so they're you know, getting certain colors or perhaps a certain finish to cabinets, maybe even a certain floor plan, right? That's unique to them. They worked with the builder to help design and construct this one specific model. Outside of that, the differences aren't going to be too vast other than customer experience, right? How you're treated, how you feel working with your, your home consultant and the person helping you along the buying process. So the relationships and small differences in product are really going to only be the differences because the similarities are going to be much greater. If you buy a Clayton-built home from a Clayton-owned retailer, from an independent retailer, you're going to get a home that is built with innovative technology that is way ahead of the curve in terms of its energy efficiency, both in the construction process and in the finished product that a customer is going to have, right? You're going to have a home that's going to keep your utility bills relatively low, is going to have great modern open floor concepts, all these wonderful things. That's going to be the same with any Clayton built home that you get. The question, the second part, which I think is pretty interesting is why the two models? And I think that really speaks to some of the genius foresight, I'd say, by our our company's founder, Jim Clayton, where he really believed, and I think the business model speaks to this, that competition is good. Whether that's good for us or good for customers, I think the answer to that is both yes. By having people compete in markets, it helps keep costs fair and open to customers because you're going to have two different places you can go shop and many places many markets, much more than two locations that you can go shop. It's been a long time since we looked at it, but I think at one point we had looked and an average home buyer was going to visit at least three retailers before they made a purchase. And so that's where it comes back to that customer experience, the relationship you build with the person that's going to be selling you your home. That's what really is going to be the selling differentiator. And then these you know different Organizations, different companies compete on price, compete on certain features or ways they structure a deal. And like that ultimately is going to yield to a more affordable and attainable product. It's going to keep prices from running out of control and getting way out there. And so I think ultimately it's really good for the consumer, for customers to be able to have multiple options in terms of where they're going to go buy their home. Great. Thank you. Ramsey, one point we didn't talk about any differences in is regionally, right? So are there as you know, Rock USA works with co-ops from coast to coast. And are there any differences in that buying experience regionally, you know, between New England, the Pacific Northwest, the Deep South, anything people should expect differently in different parts of the country? Well, yes, yeah, certainly. Any home center that you go into, if it's way up in the north, I believe you're 
up in the uh, Northeast, or if you came to a home center down in my area, you're going to hear a different accent, right? But other <laughs> than that, there's not going to be a terribly large difference between the products or the experience that you're going to get, especially, you know, selfishly thinking about Clayton owned stores, they're going to be able to deliver a really quality experience. I would like to believe and hope that they would, regardless of what part of the country you're in. In terms of product, right? And this kind of back to the point I, I'd made earlier that the product is going to be pretty similar anywhere. There are going to be differences in terms of thermal zones and wind zones that they're built to, but that's going to be true of any home that you buy, whether it's off-site construction or on-site construction. You're going to see those differences just simply because a home that you might buy in northern, I've got a ton of family in Duluth, Minnesota, right up at the tip of Lake Superior. It gets way colder than I would ever want to tolerate on an average day up there. And so their homes and homes up in that area have to be built to a different thermal code than somebody buying a home in Tampa, Florida. Outside of that, you're really not going to experience any large range of difference in product. Everything's going to be a quality, durable home that's built with innovative building techniques. Sure. And those your family might need a little bit more on the uh, snow load capacity on the roof there than uh, exactly. in Tampa, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so Let's talk a little bit more about design elements, right? I mean, this is sort of the fun part of buying a new home. Which are the ones that really you think stand out in terms of contributing to the long-term value and durability of a home? And and I want you to think, what would you recommend if your mom were buying a home? Well, first off, this is a love the way you phrase that. What would you recommend for your mom buying a home? Because my mom is still in the home that she raised me and my brother in, and I think that. I am actively trying to recommend to my mom to move into a smaller, more practical home for, <laughs> for her now. So this is very much advice that I'm actually giving on a regular basis. Excellent. And so I think a couple of things really come to mind in that area. And it's honestly, one of the first and foremost ones is energy efficiency. Getting a home that has things like uh, low E windows, they're going to help keep utility bills low. They're going to have smart thermostats so that you know, regardless of whether my mom is at work for the day or back, the house is going to be cool, warm, whatever she needs when she gets back home, and then it's going to put her in control. I think especially thinking about younger generations as they come up and enter into their home buying years, you know, I'm thinking it seems insane to be thinking this way, but kids in high school are not realistically all that far off from being into their home buying years, right? It's 10, 15 years out. If you're buying a home now, you might be thinking about resale value here in the next 10, 15 years. That's going to be the audience that might be buying a new home from you. Things like a smart thermostat and an energy efficient home are going to be not just a thing they hope for, a great feature to shop for like it might be today. It's going to be the expectation that these things exist. So in my mind, those are the first and foremost features that I would then encourage her to look for, to shop for, because I think those are the things that are going to pay dividends to you as a homeowner living in that home year in, year out, because they make living in the home much more comfortable. They make your utility bills a bit lower. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I think is absolutely worth doing. Following up on that, on the long-term home buyer, right? Do you have any stats on the turnaround time? I mean, obviously, if you're making these energy efficiency upgrades, which are fantastic, I know, you know, we've seen where you can actually buy a home that's energy star rated, not just, you know, like the refrigerator you used to seeing that sticker on. So th there's there's got to be some uh, upcharge there. 
but what's what's a reasonable expectation in terms of paying that difference off and then you know reaping the rewards yeah so that one is a very tough nut to crack and, and getting it down to an exact number is an extremely difficult thing to answer you have to take into and it gets very very specific into consideration of well, is your home situated facing east to west or north to south, depending on how the sun impacts it? And what are you comparing it to? So being able to say like, oh, you will save it in X amount of years is kind of hard to say. So I'd be hesitant to give you an exact answer on that. What I can say is that any home that you buy from a Clayton-built factory is going to be extremely energy efficient. And you know, I heard you mention like, well, getting an energy star, there's probably an upgrade cost for that. I'd encourage anybody thinking about buying a new offsite built home, especially a Clayton built home, that they go ask questions about the R value of the insulation, that they ask questions about what kind of windows they're going to be using this. And I think a lot of people would be surprised that that spread, that cost difference between what you might be getting as standard versus an upgraded insulation package is going to be minimal enough that it's going to be easy to say yes to, even if it's hard to calculate out the specific cost savings that you'll get per month that results in paying for it. I would lean towards a very short period of time, but trying to give you an exact answer is tough. The cost is not as much as you'd think, and so it's absolutely worth exploring. Sure. So you've pointed out a lot of cool features, and I want to give you a minute here just you know, open-ended question. Just brag about Clayton Homes and what's going on. What what is on the cutting edge of you know new home construction today, and, and what are the coolest new features, the must-haves? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thank you for that question because I absolutely love talking about all the wonderful things that are happening at Clayton Homes. I I'm so excited to be talking about them professionally because it's a thing I think I was already doing and bothering our friends and family with, uh, and how much I would talk about it anyway. So, in my mind, there's one thing that really stands out as being extremely exciting. That is blurring the lines between offsite and onsite construction and shifting to this idea of panelization and the ability to create both for onsite construction and for some of our home building facilities that we shift people away from just being builders, they're building the entire home, but more assemblers. So they're assembling parts and pieces to finish out a a full home. Think of it as the way like a airplane is built, right? Like a Boeing 737 isn't all constructed in one spot. We're taking a similar approach to homes. I think it's a really exciting, aggressive, innovative idea that is going to create a lot of opportunity for home ownership and expanded access to homes for millions of Americans over the coming years. It's really incumbent on us as an industry to think about these new ways of assembling homes, building homes, because you probably know as well as anyone that there's a, and you hear it in the news and the media all the time, there's an affordable home crisis, right? And that's going to mean not just working to keep costs down, which these efforts absolutely do, it's also going to mean increasing capacity. So it's going to be incumbent on us to find ways like this that we can take a single building facility and increase the volume of homes that they're able to produce in a given year. That's going to mean that we're able to develop more neighborhoods and build more communities. And that's going to result in 
more inventory, which is going to help keep prices low and give more Americans the opportunity to own a home, or more people the ability to find a quality home to live in that's not going to break the bank, that they're not going to be bending over backwards every week or every month to try and afford and keep this home up. So in my mind, to answer your question, what's the thing that's most exciting? It's that. It's the, it's the panelization because I think it really has the opportunity to be transformative, not just for our company, but be transformative for the industry in our entire country. Give us panelization in layman's terms. Yeah. And thank you, because that is probably a bit too much industry lingo. So panelization, think of it as rather than, let's say, roof trusses, for instance, being built in one part of a building facility and then assembled on top of the home as it's coming. Roof trusses are all built in one place and then they are sent in just the same as you might have two by fours around at a job site. We have roof trusses ready to go, ready to be built. So your actual assemblers or builders on site or in a building facility, they're not then responsible for constructing that one element. Take that same kind of idea and apply it to lots of different parts of the home, wall panels, for instance, and it helps just increase the speed and efficiency of any one person working to build a home. So what does that house end up being classified as? Is that a manufactured home? Is that a site-built home? Is that a, what is it? Yeah, so I think that it could be a lot of things. And I think it's, that's where the lines are gonna start getting blurred. And so we're going to have to work to ensure that classifications, regulations, that they're all keeping pace with the innovative ideas and products that are getting developed. Because I think that idea of, well, this is very clearly a manufactured home from offsite. This is a onsite construction home. That clear delineation is going to become less and less clear as we continue down this road of innovative building. And we're going to have to develop some new classifications. That gives us Things like cross-mod are moving in that direction, right? So homes that are blurring those lines have some new classifications, but I think that they may yield different classifications as we continue down the path. And I think that's important if, because it goes hand in hand with something that we've been talking about here for a while, which is going at the unfair stigma around manufactured housing and, and the people who live there, frankly. But you know, why do we need to call it a mobile home or a manufactured home or a, it's it's a house it's a home right just like any other home so so i think blurring those lines is, can certainly help contribute to that effort and, and i think that's really important yeah absolutely michael i really appreciate the point that you made there because i think working in the industry day in day out and you're probably like myself in this regard and that things like what do you classify this as what is this if you go and talk to someone who lives in it they just say this is my house Right? Like a lot of these things to some degree are regulations. They're important when it comes to zoning work and efforts around what kinds of communities do we want to develop? And why do you say communities? I mean, in the very broadest sense of like, do we want a shopping center here? Do we need a grocery store here? Who do we want the town to be like? That stuff is important. And so what it is that, to be fair, there is some importance around that. But when you actually talk to someone who lives in an offsite built home, regardless of how it got there or what codes it's up to, they just call it their house. And I think that's an important thing for all of us to remember. And I think the more we can work as an industry to get to where those who are not in it day to day understand that that's ultimately all that matters is that we're trying to create homes for more people, we'll start moving in a better direction. Absolutely. So Ramsey, a couple of years ago, 
Clayton gave away a home to a resident in one of the rocks in Colorado that we work with. And it was wonderful. They were blown away. We were blown away. It's just, it was a terrific program. And I'm, I'm hoping that you can tell our listeners a little bit more about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's another great program that I'm happy to speak about. We partner with Family Promise, who's a fantastic organization, a nonprofit that's out there working to ensure they're working to bring about an inlet into homelessness, specifically and into homelessness amongst families. And that's something that's near and dear to Clayton as an organization, to, to my heart personally. So yeah, we work with them to uh, identify a family and make a donation to them for a, a new home. And so that was an extremely exciting thing to do. I mean, it's I can tell you from having worked with a number of the people who are involved in that, because as you can imagine, the logistics that go into a, a donated home are not simple, right? You've got to work with a great partner like Family Promise, and we've got retail as well as home building and these different business units within the Clayton umbrella all got to partner together and navigate this thing together to give that family a home. The thing that really touches me is that if you talk to anybody who was involved in that project, they'll get choked up telling you how much it meant to them to be able to be a part of that process to identify that family, to give them a home. And that's something that, you know, I'm proud to say we're, we're doing across the country. We're doing with a number of different families in a number of different states. And again, each time partnering with Family Promise to identify deserving families in need of that donation. And again, working with them to bring about an end to that family homelessness. Yeah, it was terrific. I would encourage anybody to go back over our website and, and check out and you know, do a search for it and, and read the story about it. It was it was a wonderful story. Ramsey, obviously a lot has changed over the years in manufactured homes. I mean, you said earlier something about, boy, things are sure different than they were in the 70s, right? But was there something about manufactured housing that has remained constant? Why is it the choice of home for so many people in this country? Yeah, Michael, that's a great question. I think the reason it's been a choice for so many Americans for so many years, because there were a lot of people who were frankly ahead of the curve, right? They were identifying that and knowing well before a lot of others that a home, regardless of how it was built or how it arrived, it that it's still a home, right? And so people are still making memories and having big family celebrations and all the things we associate with home ownership and living in a home. They were just out in front of everyone. They recognized and understood that how something is built or arrives doesn't really impact anything else about it outside of just that, where it came from. And that also makes me think about, you know, well, what's ahead or what is changing or why is that a bit different now? And I think for that, it's that as we see younger people entering the uh, marketplace, I'm a millennial myself, and I think especially a lot of folks in my age group, millennials, they are not bringing to the table these same preconceived notions or ideas about what a manufactured home is or an offsite built home is or who's supposed to live in one or what that means. Because to them, it's just about home ownership or about having a home and a safe, wonderful place to call your own. And the things that, frankly, I personally view as a bit silly, like how was it built originally, don't matter as much to these new home buyers. They're just not bringing these same kind of ideas and preconceived notions to the table. And I think that's something that's really exciting for the industry because that's a trend that I expect to continue 
at an even greater rate. As we have more and more people into the marketplace, less and less of these antiquated ideas of offsite built homes, they're just not going to matter as much. I certainly hope so. <laughs> That's going to make things a lot better and a lot easier for a lot more people. Ramsey, is there anything that we didn't ask that you think is important that our listeners should know that's just key info that we need to be getting out there? That's a great question. I, there's nothing too specific that comes to mind other than I think the more we can across the entire industry find opportunities to collaborate and share ideas about what's being successful in one part of the country with another, that we're all kind of keeping in mind that we're all trying to move in the same direction, right? We're all trying to expand access to affordable, attainable homes, to create more opportunities for more Americans and more American families to have homes. I think that first and foremost is just like the most important thing. What that looks like is going to depend on where people's focus area is and what part of housing they're a part of. But the more we within manufactured housing and offsite construction can collaborate with one another to tell the industry's story in a positive way, I think is going to pay dividends for us, even though what we're working on or focused on might look a little bit different from person to person. Thank you so much to Ramsey for joining me on today's episode of Ownership Matters. I don't know about you, but I definitely enjoyed hearing about his recommendations for people looking to purchase a new house. And I wish him the best of luck in helping his mom find a new place to downsize to. Also, we talked in the conversation about the amazing donation Clayton made of a brand new home to a very deserving family in a resident-owned community in Colorado. This was part of their partnership with Family Promise, of course. We've linked that article in the show notes of this episode, and I really recommend checking that out. It was indeed an incredible story. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Ownership Matters. Is there an uplifting story happening in your community that we should talk about in an upcoming episode? Let us know by dropping us an email at ownershipmatters at rockusa.org. That's ownershipmatters at rocusa.org. Talk soon.